You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard, and I appreciate you joining me today. There's no music today. There's no fanfare. There's no joyful introduction. No executive voice on this episode. I felt compelled to draft and give some voice to my emotions and the anger and the sadness and the disbelief I'm feeling about yet another elementary school shooting in this country. On Monday, a gunman entered the Covenant School located in the Green Hills community of Nashville, Tennessee, and opened fire. The school provides education for grades K through 6. Six people, including three nine-year-old students, were murdered by an individual identified as Audrey Hale. Within 14 minutes, the Nashville Police Department located Hale on the second floor and after engaging in some brief gunfire, fatally shot them. Early reports indicated that Hale was under observation by their family for what the doctors referred to as a, quote, emotional disorder, but somehow was still able to secure seven firearms prior to the shooting legally. Hale had also reached out to a former basketball colleague and said, quote, one day this will make more sense. I've left more than enough evidence behind, but something bad is about to happen. At the time of this recording, Hale's gender identity has not been fully confirmed, although most sources are indicating that Hale used male pronouns on their social media and was transgender. So much of this tragedy is still under investigation and not fully known, but what we do know is that the shooter is dead, six innocent victims are dead, and our country begins the similar and nauseating pattern we've grown so accustomed to in the coming days and weeks after another mass shooting. It's not hard to feel like in this moment and in perpetuity defeated by the inaction and apathy of our elected officials. The political commentator Dan Hodges once tweeted, quote, in retrospect, Sandy Hook marked the end of the U.S. gun control debate. Once America decided killing children was bearable and it was over. As we once again go through this thoughts and prayers, song and dance that we're also painfully used to, we become even more aware of the inaction of our country that allowed these massacres to continue. And ignoring the, quote, solutions and non-answers already presented to us, it's even more obvious that the only solution is a direct, robust, and full-throated accountability for gun manufacturers and the politicians that enable their death machines. For time measurement purpose, this statement was recorded and written on March 29th, 2023. The Gun Violence Archive indicated that the Covenant school shooting is now, as of today, the 129th mass shooting in 2023 with an average of 115 deaths a day so far this year. The United States ranks, again, highest in rates of firearm homicides per 100,000 population. Gun violence is the number one cause of death amongst children in this country. Gun violence deaths remain the most preventable form of deaths in our country, and yet we are forced to daily to beg and plead and otherwise grovel at the feet of the system that has failed us ignored us, and allow our children to die senseless deaths inside their classrooms. I was 14 years old when the Columbine shooting happened. I lived in a small suburban town outside of Philadelphia, considered to be amongst the upper echelons of schools in the state. Whether or not that's accurate is up for interpretation. But what I do remember from that day in April of 1999 was a new kind of fear, a new kind of panic, a side eye anytime someone who wore all black came into school, or a side glance at someone who would be perceived as counterculture. Gun violence in schools was still a horrifyingly new concept and a shocking happenstance that only occurred inside the city limits. This kind of thing can't happen here, the adults would say to us, scratching their heads in confusion. This place is safe. This is a safe neighborhood with safe white schools and safe white neighborhoods. That kind of thing only happens in, you know, those neighborhoods. 
I could recall the additional police details surrounding our junior high school. Cops from my hometown then and now had little else to do besides patrol the areas where teenagers gather in mass, either to harass us or otherwise engage with them. It was pre-9-11 and we in the lucky suburbs were still a few years away from becoming more acutely aware of the police state that we know now. The feeling of being shot in school was still very much an outlier, a non-reality for most of us who just wanted to get the hell out of there and go hang out with our friends. In 1994, the Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use Protection Act, known more colloquially as the Assault Weapons Ban, was passed through Congress after a schoolyard shooting in Stockton, California in 1993. The ban prohibited the sale and manufacturing of specific semi-automatic weapons and banned magazines with the capacity of more than 10 rounds. The goal of this bill was to protect the citizens from the kind of high-powered, high-capacity murder machines we've all become so accustomed to being around these days. The current available research is still out as to whether or not the ban was effective in preventing mass shootings at all. The Bush administration relied heavily on public sentiment and fears surrounding 9-11 to allow the ban to expire in 2004 and open the way for a new market full of high-powered murder machines that would be allowed back into the homes of common Americans. Since Columbine, there have been an unfathomable number of shooting deaths in this country. Mass shooting victims include the school children in Sandy Hook, the high schoolers of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, the shooting victims at the Mandalay Bay shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada, rock musician Dimebag Daryl Abbott, hundreds of thousands of children in the suburbs, inner cities, and everywhere else across this country. And now disgracefully, six four names were etched permanently into the stone epitaph under the new mantra of this country, uttered with the same lack of regard for liberty and life that was extended to these children in this new horrific preventable death. We're not going to fix it. I watched through horror through the lens of my Twitter account, the real-time police footage of the engagement of Hale. First, the footage from Officer Rex Engelbert, who appears to have fired the shots that killed Hale. Then to the footage of Officer Michael Colazzo, who worked to secure the surrounding areas before meeting with Engelbert to neutralize the shooter. In Colazzo's video, a blur quickly blips across the screen. It is not hard to ascertain that this blur, complete with the pink coloring of the clothing she wore that day, day that she did not know would be her last, is presumably one of the three children that was murdered by this monster. Prior to Colazzo's engagement, another officer yells bluntly and succinctly, we have one down. The officers are forced to continue towards engagement, knowing the brutality and the horror of the innocent victim beside them. It is a feeling of absolute dread and horror and terror, knowing that what lies beneath that pixelation and that there's no longer the option to save this child's life. I have four children, two of whom are in grade school, one of whom is in a school set up just like the Covenant School starting preschool this year. Each morning before I leave my home in downtown Pennsylvania to get on an hour's train ride into Philadelphia, I kiss each of my children on the head. I give them a big bear hug. I release them. And I place my hands on their faces and I repeat a mantra that I hope gives them some sense of safety or security or hope. I love you. Please be good today. Make good choices. Don't be a hero. Come home safe to me and mommy. I don't remember when it was that I started saying that to them. Perhaps it was a repressed fear expression buried in my psyche until my children became of school age and manifested in this repetition. 
after I watched the news reports of the Sandy Hook massacre in 2012, as my wife sat six months pregnant with my oldest son on the sofa of our apartment, sobbing at these reports. Maybe it was just a guttural response to every single story of violence in our schools. Whatever the case is, it's a daily affirmation from me to them. And as the words leave my mouth and enter their ears, I am fully aware and cognizant of the fact that I am completely incapable and unable to protect them in any meaningful way and that their schools and their teachers are completely incapable of protecting them in any meaningful way and that the elected officials who represent them are either completely incapable or wholly unwilling to protect them in any meaningful way. Because for those officials, death is a money-making machine, a massive, financially fruitful enterprise. There's too much money to be made on death. And who needs to worry about dead school children when you have cold, hard cash in your pocket? Representative from Tennessee, Tim Burchett, when asked about his thoughts on the shooting, stated, if you think Washington is going to fix this problem, you're wrong. They're not going to fix this problem. They are the problem, he says. He continued, quote, if you want to legislate evil, it's not going to happen. We need a real revival in this country. Let's call on our Christian ministers and our people of faith. Great. Another one of these empty-headed, quote, thoughts and prayers, unquote, band-aids from another one of these empty-headed Republicans with no solutions. It should be noted, though, that Burchett, as he received political donations from the National Rifle Association for his campaigns and received a 92% approval rating from the same criminal organization, voted nay against the Protecting Our Kids Act, the Active Shooter Alert Act of 2022, and the Assault Weapons Ban of 2022. Death Merchant, it seems, is Burchett's real occupation. Another one of these empty-headed, lowest common denominator buffoons who voted nay on all th of the same three pieces of legislation and locking goose step with Burchett comes from the state of Florida. Representative Byron Donalds, who on CNN this week stated that the proposed ban of the AR-15, the weapon of choice, it seems, to murder school children in this country, was the result of, quote, politics and, quote, emotions, and that, quote, emotions don't solve problems. Tell me, Congressman, how much emotion went into you loudly rolling your eyes as you walked away from the reporter as families began preparing funeral arrangements for their children? Of course we're emotional. Three school children were murdered in a place that was supposed to provide safety and security and happiness, and you assholes voted down the legislation that would have kept them safe. One of the worst and most frustrating days of parenthood occurred a few months ago when my daughter Sophie began her preschool in August. About a month or two in, she greeted me at the door as she always does. And after the completion of our special best friend handshake, she proudly announced to me that she had won a candy bar and a donut at school that day. I looked at her, I said, wow, so many treats. What goodness did you bring to the world today? And she looked right at me, puffed her chest out, held her head high and said, I was the quietest hider in our school-wide hide and seek game, daddy. The person who came in could have never found me where I hid. I stood staring at her for a second, momentarily stunned at it as if I had been slapped in the face. As my face wrinkled in horrified confusion, I could see her own confusion start to set in. Isn't that great, Daddy? She asked me as her brow furrowed with concern. I realized in that moment that I was speaking to a five-year-old 
And she had less than zero idea that these quote unquote games were going to help her prevent her untimely death at the hands of a shooting monster. That's wonderful, sweetheart, I said, feigning my excitement through my fear, just loud enough so that she wouldn't pick up on it. Sophie's life should be focused on learning her alphabet, careless play on the playground, and coloring. The fact that her reality as a five-year-old involves monthly hide-and-seek games is disgraceful. And these Congress people are complicit in creating that reality. The blame is just as much on them, the Congress people, as it is on the shooters themselves. All while these breathless idiots like Burchett and Donalds proverbially fart into the reporter's microphones and espouse religious symbolism and boilerplate bullshit responses, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump Jr. and a host of these other gelatinous cretins bombard us with the, quote, transgender mafia commentary. The Mouth Breather Committee, complete, of course, with their assault rifle tie pins and lapels, are pushing the narrative now that the transgender community are the real terrorists here. Never mind the fact that out of all the mass shootings in this country since 2013, uh, that's 5,285 shootings to be exact. Only four identified as members of the LGBT community. Four out of 5,285, for which, for the mathematically inclined, equals 0.07%. Tell me, Junior, what part of those statistics equates to this pipe dream of yours about radical transgender terrorism? What about the rest of the shooters, like Dylan Roof, a self-proclaimed white supremacist who committed an act of domestic terrorism by shooting up the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, who, by the way, was rewarded with Burger King before he was booked in the local lockup? Or what about Gregory Bowers, the self-proclaimed anti-Semite who opened fire in the Tree of Life Synagogue in my adopted hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Do you know what the true common thread is on most of these mass shootings? Semi-automatic rifles. There's your real threat, Marge. And tell me, what part of your brand do you profit the most from? Could it be, I don't know, the gun lobbies? Could it be uh, the white supremacists and the anti-Semites? Could it be both of them? What part of the collective brands benefit most from the diversion and pivot to another red herring that you lash yourself onto and absolve yourselves from identifying the real underlying problem? What is to be done? They say to me as I fruitlessly post gun control commentary and statements on my social media and like episodes like you're listening to now and demand reform and forcing change now. What are you going to do? Ban all the guns? Commie? As a frequent and loud critic of police in this country, I will state that the police in this specific instance did exactly what we wanted them to do. But the problem remains that the shooting still happened independent and irrespective of the police presence around the school and their incredibly quick response. Early reports indicated that the shooter accessed the school through an unlocked door, but that was quickly rebutted when the security footage showed the shooter shooting through the front glass of the doors and entering through the bottom opening. So even if the doors were secure, which all early reporting indicates was the case, it would still not have stopped the massacre. The shooter was also allegedly under medical counsel due to an unknown emotional disturbance. But that was not known to the police prior to the murders. Hale was still able to access and purchase these weapons because in Tennessee, there are no red flag laws. So if locked doors don't stop the shootings and extra police don't stop the shootings, 
and mental health assistance doesn't stop the shootings. What will? Congress certainly won't do anything. They already told us they won't. The solution here is astoundingly simple, folks. The only way to ensure that these massacres could cease in any real way and so that these gun fetishes keep the goods is to forcefully and robustly litigate these gun manufacturers to hell and hold them accountable for the deaths committed with their murder machines. Death is a cash business, pal. And one thing these soulless ghouls care about above everything else is their bottom line. What happens once we start holding the boards of these companies collectively and individually accountable for the lives taken using the same weapons they marketed, developed, manufactured, and sold to the shooters? It's a clear line across all sold goods that the only thing that forces radical change anywhere is a direct shot to their wallets and their bottom lines. It's a tried and true method as American as apple pie, baseball, and school shootings. It's long overdue to hold these companies accountable for the products that they produce, and it is time for Congress to act in accordance with the best interest of their constituents. If they are unwilling or incapable to do so, we should demand their resignation or force them out in the voting booth. Either demanding their resignation or by forcing them out in the voting booths, it is time for a radical change in this country's operations, and we cannot waste any additional time and we cannot afford to lose any additional lives. If these Congress people bought and paid for with the NRA blood money refused to act, then they should be held accountable for the deaths of our children and our citizens and their constituents that they willfully and purposefully continue to fail. And to the likes of Burkett and Green and Donalds and Boebert and the rest of these clowns doing everything they can to avoid culpability in these shootings, they should not only be forced to look at the most graphic crime scene photos of these massacres with the inability to look away. They should be forced to resign out of principle and for the good of this nation. Congress people, with all disrespect implied, blow your thoughts and prayers out of your ass and do something. In the immediate aftermath of these events, seriously intrusive thoughts enter my mind regarding my children being in similar situations like what happened at the Covenant School, what would be going through their minds in what could potentially be their last moments on this earth? Would they be afraid? Would they be brave? Or be heroes like I warned them not to be? Would they want to be holding our family dog, Minnie? Would they want to be holding their Cody Rhodes action figure? Or their stuffed platypus? or any other variation of physical items that they hold to keep them safe? Which one of them would be so scared they'd make noise and out their location to the shooter? Would they be mad at me and mad at their mom for not keeping them safe? Would Sophie still be the quietest hider in the real-life hide-and-seek game? I don't ever want to find out the answers to these questions, but every day that we refuse to act... Every day we allow these massacres and these preventable deaths to continue without reprieve or action or meaningful legislation. It feels like it's just going to be a matter of time until I get those answers, whether I want them or not. Force change now. Hug your kids extra tight tonight. My name is Adam Bernard. This has been a special episode of Foundation Radio.